electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. We're getting ready here. It's Friday morning, clearing our throats. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber with Jim Cramer. We're live from Post 9 at the New York Stock Exchange. Carl's off this morning. Let's give you a look at futures. Things have changed a little bit uh, since we heard from Williams. Yeah. Sitting down with Steve Leisman. You can see, uh, all right, I don't know. Higher open for the NASDAQ, right, I guess? Killjoy. Yeah, Killjoy. We'll deal with Let's it. get to our roadmap this morning. It does begin with the S&P. It closed in. It's closing in on a new record. But as you just saw, futures are pairing their gains. As the New York Fed president did tell CNBC that they aren't, quote, really talking about rate cuts now. We have Costco reporting another strong quarter. Says it is starting to see some prices come down, but not for food. We'll hear from Jim on that. Of course, yeah. he had the CEO last night. And Blackstone. It's a little fun here. Getting in on the Taylor Swift craze, private equity firm's Christmas card. They're singing and dancing. It's an alternatives-era music video. We'll show you a bit of that. Let's start with the markets, though, uh, and those comments as well from New York Fed President John Williams. They were made uh, about rates to our Steve Leisman moments ago. Take a listen. We aren't really talking about rate cuts right now. We're very focused on the the question in front of us, which, as Chair Powell said, the question is, have we gotten monetary policy to a sufficiently restrictive uh, stance in order to ensure that inflation comes back down to 2%? That's the question in front of us. That's what we've been really thinking about for the past five months, and I think we'll be continuing to think about for some time. What are your thoughts? Any changes, really, from what you might have expected? Fed chief didn't say that. Fed chief said he's more worried about slowdown. Fed chief at DAPA indicate, look, there's going to be cuts. Uh, I think there's maybe there's a little dissension here. But I, I, and by the way, just so you know, I mean, March, maybe it's a couple months off. But the idea that there would be rate cuts next year, you can't take that off the table if you put it on the table two days ago. Right. That's ludicrous. Right. He said yep. now. I don't know what now means. I mean, now could just mean literally that. Right. Well, look, I mean. Not look, March. Powell changed his mind. Powell felt, unlike most Fed chairmen, that he's now worried about the regular person losing his job uh, because the rates are so high. Yeah. What, 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 you know, everybody's been trying to understand what the take was. We had a CPI number earlier this week. None right. of us reacted to it with any great fervor because it seemed in line. Right. What we'd expected. But somehow, that may not have changed things. But what did change here then, based on the data, at least, given what we had in terms of the expectations, the Fed seems to be seeing something that others perhaps are not. Well, I do know that the Fed uh, realized, and you can see it from the housing numbers, that unless they take rates down, there will not be enough supply. uh, Because the the anomaly of these 3% mortgages has made it so that no one wants to leave. Right. If you get rates down, then the price of housing will fall. And he's very worried about that because that's the one thing that has not come down at all. Rents are down. But also, I mean, I think he just he decided that he thinks that we're far enough along that we can start thinking about being sure that we don't have a, a, a tailspin. I thought that was natural. Right. And what, what, John, what Williams is saying is basically 
No, we didn't say that. Well, no. I mean, did he? Who made him Fed chief? Well, what he really? I mean, he said a lot of things, by the way, during the interview. But again, what we just showed people there. Have we gotten monetary policy to a restrictive stance to ensure inflation comes down back to 2%? He said, that's what we're very focused on. It's not as though they aren't continued, that Powell didn't say they continue to be focused well, no, on that, But he Jim. said, listen, now we have to start focusing on, on being balanced. And right. I mean, look, it, we can just go over the words of Powell and just say, well, this is in conflict. What's the matter saying that? He's in conflict. Yeah. He doesn't, stay, he doesn't speak for the Fed chief. The Fed chief speaks for the Fed chief. We've heard that over and over again. Who speaks for the Fed chief? Fed chief. You know, Jay Powell is an independent guy who's made up his mind, and we cannot, two days later, say, no, he didn't say that. You got that wrong. That's not, that's not the way it's played. Right. So, I mean, I'm not, anybody who's, like, deciding, oh, wow, you know, I bought a lot of stock, and yeah. now I'm, like, hurt. But, well, I mean, if you bought the right stock, you're fine. Well, let's talk about that, because uh, a lot of stock has been bought over these last few days. And, you know, to, to, uh, to echo something you'd been talking about more recently, the broadening has begun to occur in a yes. significant way. Even, in fact, um, the Russell, which long-lagging Russell and some of the more speculative stocks, which, are, of course, are a part of it, or companies right. that are not even earning money, ones that have a lot of debt, for example, and or leverage that are going to benefit from a lower rate environment. But they have surged. Uh, yes, they have. I mean, it's not like the S&P hasn't had a good week, but the Russell's had a better week. No, that, that, the weakness of this rally is, uh, I, I call it the affirm rally, uh, upstart rally. These are companies that have doubled. Their stocks have doubled. Uh, and you don't want to see that, but they are related to if rates go down, they do much better. I mean, there's a, it's not all fanciful. No, but it's I not. Like, there's I, a firm. You can take a look at the ARC Fund, yes. Kathy Wood's ARC Fund, what a week it's had, know, right? Um, but there's a lot of, you take a look at Toll Brothers. And then Lennar came out last night and said, listen, you know, we're not going to forecast gross margin, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I thought they would. One, uh, there's ARC, by the way, in the week. You can take... We look at this like everyone's gotten a takeover bid. Right, up up 5.5%. Sorry, yeah. I, sometimes I'm looking in the wrong place here on our new graphs. Um, one uh, area of the market and or at least investor uh, base that's been hurt has been the guess, of course, uh, hedge funds. They were short a lot of these names. Right. And I was uh, taking a look. Thank you to B of A. Um, worst day of 2023 was yesterday in terms of shorts versus longs. Looking at relative performance of consensus longs versus consensus shorts amongst large caps. There's the chart uh, that we're going to show you. But um, longs fell by 65 basis points. Shorts surged by 3%. Wow. Um, what we're trying to show you, see that arrow? That's the worst. These is a measure of three days in terms of how much you're losing on your shorts over the last many years. It's one of the worst days of all time. Sorry, five years. You can see there's only been a couple of days that were worse. And by the way, it was the worst two-day period since March of 2020 um, when you combine the last two days together, Jim. So uh, here's, yeah, you look at the spread daily neutralizing for beta. Today's move scored a negative 35 worse than any year, a day year-to-date by a lot. And as I said, when you put two days together, worse since March of 2020. You kind of saw that on the chart that was encompassing a number well, of days. You, you, so the hedge funds are getting crushed on their shorts. Well, the great Peter Lynch often described the fact that the reason why you have to be in is a couple days a year where all the performances. Right. We just had them. 
We just had them. I mean, you, you take. Do we have a chart of Caterpillar? It's insane. Sure. I, you know, I, I think the world of Caterpillar. And I know you do. But you know, it was up 14 yesterday, and and that's because people say, uh, "Wow, I got the short wrong." Everyone was telling me to be short. Everyone said that rates are going up. Everyone said that all this that, that there's a big inventory problem. Oh my God, panic! There was panic, and so many names yesterday. It's funny, I didn't even see Caterpillar. Um, I was expecting we'd have it, but... uh, um, Well, I just think that that's in the Dow, and that... Does that end, and or what does it mean? Is this broadening out going to continue? Uh, X Williams, which I think you have to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, The broadening out can continue for a little bit, but already there are people who say, listen, the banks... Yeah, you can't really tell from there, but it's the right... right Yeah, I see the the last part The banks... This, there are already downgrades of Zion's bank, okay, because they think it's moved too fast. I think that's wrong. Wow, look at that. Yeah. I think that these are banks. David, we go back to the March banking crisis. Most of these stocks are still there. But if we lower rates, they'll do fine. Right. So I'm not buying. Look, at, do we have a... I shouldn't call for these charts. What? What are you talking Wells Fargo. You want a Wells Fargo? Wells Fargo. You got it. We'll give you a Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo was once the greatest bank in the country, yeah. right? Well, I mean, this stock is still well that's, below. That's where, not it. We're trying. We're, we're, we're and, giving and, and, it our best shot. I want to talk here. about Worry Financial for a second because that is just, I've had it. <laughs> had I think it. no Worry Financial. There, oh, well, there, there it go. is. There it is. Um, all right, so you look at that stock and you say, well, you know, Charlie Sharp really has it going. But then if you look at a 10 year chart, yeah. it's done nothing. Nothing. And so I think that some of these situations are catching up to where they were. There it is. Ten years. You're right. I'm still. Stamp. By the way, still stunned by yesterday's our Home Depot chart since its IPO. A million what percent. What a stock. A million percent. A dollar invested in the IPO in 1981 is worth a million dollars today. Geez, you could have been in CDs and. And a thousand dollars makes you a billionaire, basically. Right. But we got to look. We're going to start doing that. I want to look at Microsoft, a few of the others. Yeah. We, we like. You know, one of the reasons that's just, that is so. That's 1998, by the way, but it's going back to the IPO. The retail investor is pretty much gone, right? People don't. They just, they heard, they got, they got brainwashed into index funds. Yeah. So they're not allowed to pick a stock like Home Depot because they have to be in an index fund. Right. They're not allowed to pick a stock like Costco because they have to be in an index fund. Why? Why do I have to own the good There the it is. Let's get some There's bad the one retailers to balance for. off my good retail. There's the one I was looking for. Look at that. I, I, but you know, you have to have every other. You have to have four ninety nine other stocks, still, including many bad I, I just stocks. had to come back to it. And that, by the way, we'll, we'll you, take a look at some of the others. you know what's going on in this country? No, I don't, Jim. Okay. Tell me. What's happening? Nobody has Home Depot because you were told about a thing called single stock risk. Now, this is just... Um, ill-advised, because I'm being nice whenever I say ill-advised, uh, logic, because when you listen to Ken Lingo, he's not saying, you know what, Home Depot's great, but I think it's really important that we put tapestry in there. He's right? saying, Home Depot's great, he's but Kmart on was a terrific Home Depot, on Home Depot. All right. I just think you, let's, we, single let's stock stay, risk is a joke. Let's stay in retail. It's a joke. Let's stay in retail and move to Costco, because uh, those shares oh. are up. Um, quarterly earnings did okay. uh, come in okay. ahead of the consensus of analysts right. who follow the company. Demand for groceries uh, was a part of that. There was an increase in paid household memberships. Right. Uh, the company also declaring a special dividend of 15 bucks a share. Here's what Costco's CFO had to say Rich about Clint, inflation. He runs the call. He runs the call. He was on uh, Mad Money last night. Take a listen. Our estimate for the quarter just ended. That inflation was in the zero to one percent range. 
Bigger deflation in some big and bulky items like furniture sets due to lower freight costs year over year, as well as on things like domestics, uh, bulky, lower priced items, uh, again, where the, the freight cost is significant. Some deflationary items were as much as 20 to 30 percent, and again, mostly freight related. TVs, the average sale prices have been lower, while units have been higher. And in talking to the buyers overall, our inventories and our SKU counts are in good shape across all channels. And so far, uh, we've had a good seasonal sell-through during the quarter. No, this, this, right, that was the call last really night. Call. He, right. Uh, no. we're, we, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I think that this is the great test case. You'll see a $15 special living because this stock is pretty perfect. Okay. So what's been happening is the perfect stocks have been going down and the imperfect stocks have been going higher because the imperfect stocks, we believe, were held back by higher rates. So Costco... I, do you know that Costco was down last night, despite this? It was down. Now, David, here's a quiz, because I love to quiz you. Please quiz me. Okay, so how many Bring it on. pumpkin pies did pumpkin Costco pies. sell in the three days leading up to Thanksgiving? How many pumpkin pies did Costco sell? 2.9 million. Would not have gotten that one, Jim. 2.9 million. 2.9 million pumpkin yeah. pies. Yeah. But no, what we're supposed to be in is, I don't know, uh, A&P. Remember that? Great Atlantic Pacific? Of course. Well, when you, if you're an index fund, you got all that. I do remember it. Uh, all right, so your takeaway is that this quite is, positive, I would think. Well, okay, just so you know, I mean, Rich Glanty is one of the great CFOs. He talks about selling a Babe Ruth autographed index card for $20,000. Uh, Mickey Mantle, autographed 1951, is perfect. Uh, Ricky Carden, you're perfect at one sale for $250,000. What does that have to do with whether the company's going to have a good quarter? Because when you have a CFO this confident that he can talk about these funny things, yeah. it's because they are making money hand over fist. Okay, that's a good point. Ended Q1 with 72 million paid household members, 129.5 million cardholders, up 7.1%, and uh, 33.2 million paid executive members. They were increasing across the board in all their membership ranks. We're executive. Uh, okay, so David, $100 million sold in gold. They announced the gold program on Mad Money. $100 million. You can't even get it online. I tried to buy it every single day for like a month. You have to go to the store. This is just fantastic. This is the most creative company, not just retail. It's really creative. Yeah. I got upgraded once well, well, by Craig Jelinek. You did? Rich Glandy, yeah. They had Camus, uh, the 2017, which was very good. I, yes. And they had it for $74. I said, I just paid $93 for it. That's mismarked. He goes, no, don't you understand our... our, our we are a volume business, not a price business. Everyone in the world is going to talk about your Camus. And they're going to come here. And you know what? They're also going to buy toilet paper. It worked. Yeah, it did. I know. Hopefully you buy more of that Camus for your next big party. Do you think I do remember enjoying the 12 that. Year the 15 year I wouldn't know. I'm not a scotch drinker. Thank Sorry. Not. Scotch rocks. No. I like mezcal, though. Particularly phosphoro. Yes, phosphoro. There we go. All right. That's our first advertisement oh, of the morning, on, but we're going to have a, a few other advertisements coming at you as well. Right. But uh, before we do that, let's get over to uh, Rick Santella. We've got some new economic data from the Fed uh, coming out in, I guess, five seconds. Take it away, Rick. Yes, David. Uh, we're expecting our November read on industrial production and capacity utilization. And, of course, if I had to pick some important aspects before the number's out, uh, when we look at industrial production, uh, our last look, which was down six-tenths uh, of a percent, was the biggest negative month-over-month -month change 
in two years. So we want to acknowledge that. And utilization rates, well, they're also on the weak side. 78.9 last time was the weakest since October of 21. So you're looking at two years there. Here we go. Industrial production up two tenths of a percent. That is definitely in line with expectations. And as I said, follows down six tenths. Utilization rates, well, they have not improved. 78.8, 78.8. And that continues to hover at the lowest level since October of 21, 78.9 in the rearview mirror. Uh, Interest rates today have climbed just a little bit on the day, but on the week, no doubt, we are down 28 basis points in both twos and tens on the week. Each is up just a few basis points on the session after hitting six and a half month lows yesterday on twos and nearly five month low yields on tens. Squawk on the street will return after a short break. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. All right, let's get to uh, Mad Dash. Of course, you got a little less than eight minutes before we get started with uh, the final day of trading. It's been a eventful week, sure to say has. the least. Uh, where do you want to go in today's I want to go to Darden, which is Olive Garden, but we must always remember it's also Longhorn Steak, which happens to be very good. It's fine dining, uh, Capital Grill, which was not good. But I think it's important to point out, you'll see the numbers, and the numbers are, are better than what people expected. However, David, they did point out, and this is kind of a bummer, uh, that they were not able to raise the price of food, their menu price, as much as the food price that they had to pay which is bad, uh, but they said this, there's a softness of check. Now, this is the kind of thing, frankly, where Jay Powell would say, this is what I'm talking about. That there's been so much inflation. Uh, inflation's peaking. Uh, at the same time, people can't afford things. Check is soft for, for Olive Garden. So margin under pressure a bit as a result of inability to pass along. Exactly. To some extent. Right. And I, I continue to come back to j being a friend of the working person, not a friend of Wall Street, which he frankly doesn't care that much about, which I like him for. But I think when you, this is America. Darden's America, okay? And it's America. America is beginning to start, is America's a little beleaguered. It is. I mean, look, minimum wage is 9%, okay? And it, for, sorry, for the nine, last five years. Gone up 9%. Yeah, that's just not enough. But now you'd say, well, then why is he, uh, why, doesn't he have to stomp, stop inflation now because that is not enough? No, he's thinking the other way. He's thinking, okay, look, we don't want to hurt these people anymore than they're getting hurt right now. Uh, and he sees food coming down. Now, Costco's food did not come down. Mm-hmm. It was really transport that went down. But food is next. And I think that Costco is America. Darden is America. 
And we have to get out of the idea that the two-year is America. Two-year's not America. The inverted yield curve's not America. And everyone on Wall Street's a snob. They've probably never been to a Longhorn. They don't even know what a great Bloody Mary they make. Really? I didn't know that either. I am talking about a killer bloody. No kidding. Yeah. Get a designated driver when you go to Longhorn, because it'll blow your mind. All right. We'll keep an eye on shows of darkness you see. May not be down as much as 3% in uh, the market. By the way, we got an opening bell coming for you in about uh, five minutes. And you can catch us anytime and anywhere by listening to and following the Sparkling Street Opening Bell Podcast. We're back right From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Let's take a look at shares of uh, Lennar. You can see down to over 5% in the pre-market. Uh, that's just despite quarterly results that were ahead of estimates. Gross margins did come in a bit narrower than uh, many analysts had been anticipating. The home builder did also post a 19% jump in deliveries from one year ago. Net earnings, Jim, for the fourth quarter, $1.4 billion. $1.5 billion if you exclude adjustments, just to give people a sense as to size here as to what that means. Diluted uh, earnings per share, $4.80. Cents to give you a sense for perhaps well, the what's PE, although that's they quarterly. They said they would not guide full-year margin at this time as the interest rate environment is rapidly evolving. Now, that one statement undid everything that Lenore did because it's such a good builder, and it did so well. Now, the other day, Toll Brothers announced a uh, 20 million share buyback mm-hmm. because Doug Yearly, the CEO of Toll Brothers, is anxious to tell people, listen, this is no longer a cyclical business. It's secular. I, I think that this was the beginning, David, of the backlash. Like, wait a second, Lenar went up too much. Lenar's going up. The, I think Lenar's a great company, but it did. This stock was at 102 in November, and now it's at 150. So, I mean, you could argue that's just too much. Yeah. It's just too much. Yeah. Um, new orders up 13% year over year for, uh, to 69,111 homes. That's full year 2023. And deliveries up 10%. They delivered over 73,000 homes, Jim. Um, and, and again, just to put it in perspective, $13.73 a share. That'll give you a sense on PE there for the year. But you like this name. You've liked it. You continue to, I assume. I do like it. And I know that it can go down. I mean, obviously, it's one of the best performing stocks. It's an amazing home builder. It has always been a great home builder. Stu Miller does a terrific job. And I think if you give one here, give up one. What's really giving up one is the idea that there's going to be more rate cuts. There you heard it, the opening bell for this Friday, final trading day of the week. You can take a look at the real-time exchange back at our headquarters here at the big board. ZKH Group, that's a maintenance, repair, and operations procurement service platform in China. China. Going public today. Over at the NASDAQ, marketing technology company, Banzai. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, you want. Got go any ahead. thoughts? Uh, any thoughts? Any key to this market kind of stuff you want to share? Or Nvidia. Just in general? Nvidia. All and right. that's why, because Stacey Rask, a frequent uh, guest of, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, of our network, 
is saying that uh, I, I love this line so much. It's strange to complain about NVIDIA's stock performance. And then he comes on and he says, it, it's been disappointing. This stock has been disappointing. Now, this is disappointing, but he is saying that since the last quarter it is. And I like Well, it this. has flatlined over the last few months, I guess, even David, though they had reported, they reported a uh, historic quarter. Right. So it's got a mid-20s P.E., even though it's probably the greatest stock of our era when it comes to A.I., and I, I actually like the piece. I think the stock should be higher, but I recognize that in terms of like what we just said with Lenar, people are starting to take stock and saying, you know what, some stocks have just moved too much. But there's no, there's no radar gun on a stock. I mean, Nvidia missed the quarter in the uh, spring. Right. This is Jensen telling you. Said to Lisa, I had the biggest miss in history, but it was to the upside. And it was. And it started a historic yeah, run for the stock. That was a funny thing you said. It was, it was funny. It, it was funny. It wasn't that funny. It was well, but kind of funny. You just gloss over it like that. I just moved on. I did. Okay. I moved on. You've, right. been, you've been funnier. Let me just be honest. You've, been, you've related funnier I, stories. I have, but yeah. I like this piece, and I think it's very good. I was talking about AMD also uh, catching a bid, and people are all over Intel. They like Intel. Uh, people does like the, Micron. How does the AI story, if it changes at all in the new year, uh, how do you think about it? I mean, we've talked about the same stocks as we should have, led by NVIDIA, of course, sometimes advanced micro. By the way, Intel now trying to add itself. To this, uh, to this conversation well, look, I, it, with uh, the, its the, introduction of uh, AI-related chips. Uh, it is how hot it burns, but most importantly, it's software. And neither AMD nor Intel have the software level that's the teaching part of AI. And that's why NVIDIA is a much undervalued stock because it's become very much a software company. In the same way that Adam Jonas argues that Tesla is not just a car company. But there's one difference to that. Right now, Tesla is just a car company. And right now, NVIDIA already is a software company. And people, people underestimate the power of their software. Right. Um, we like to, I, almost every day, I like to sort of have our, a bit of our conversation about AI, about advances in it, particularly, of course, generative AI, because you have to distinguish the two and the large language models that power it, and what it was going to mean for productivity gains, for the enterprise, for your everyday life, and, of course, for the risks that it poses as well. Um, Jeff Bezos, uh, not an insignificant voice when it comes to technology. No. By the way, maybe we'll take a look at Amazon since IPO at some point. Uh, did an interview, and sadly not with me uh, or somebody here at CNBC, but with this uh, podcaster uh, guy who gets a lot of good people. Um, but he did talk about uh, he did talk about the risks of AI, and frankly, he sees it the other way around. Take a listen. My own view is that these powerful tools are much more likely to help us and save us even than they are to, on balance, hurt us and destroy us. I think, you know, we humans have a lot of ways of, um, we can make ourselves go extinct. You know, <laughs> these things may help us not do that, you know, so we may actually, they may actually save us. So the people who are, you know, overly concerned, I, in my view, overly concerned, it's a, it's a valid debate. I think that I think that they may be missing part of the equation, which is how helpful they could be in making sure we don't destroy ourselves. That's kind of interesting take. He's so smart. Uh, look, I I think that he sees the value of AI. Uh, probably, maybe to, it, it's so much easier to calculate what you need to do to land on Mars. I mean, when I, when I was out in Nvidia, 
what Jensen says the problem with landing on Mars is that you know, you've got to get close enough, and then you've got to go back up a little. And what's the matter? No, I don't even know what he, that means. He's calculating Mars at all time. Like how much it takes. Right. AI could probably just do it for you. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what it's going to be capable of, but it's hard to imagine, do you know or saw, not to imagine, all do you know the things. a player by the name of Sauce? Sauce Gardner? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay, so Andy Jassy would tell you that he can predict when Sauce Gardner is going to blitz by the third quarter because of AI, generative AI, of all the tendencies in the first quarter. That's not generative AI. That's just regular AI. No, it's generative AI. No, it's regular no, AI. Come on, generative AI. is when you're when it's it's creating yeah, no, things it's, for you. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's, 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 like that's the same Gardner's thing they've been here. advertising in Amazon with the whole so, thing and the percentage chance that he was going to make the catch. That's don't you love years. that? That's old. Give me something new. God, you put me down at all. I'm not just, putting you down. See, Lisa, just, I'm just he telling you. I don't put you down. No. No. Okay. All, right. No. All right. Let's move on. All right. Let's move a lot on. To what move have you on. got on the list? Okay. So, David, one that I've always liked that you know I've been a big aficionado of. Tractor Supply. Tractor Supply. I can now, remember those heady great. days that we used to talk about it all the time. Can we have a 10-year chart of ta- Tractor Supply? Sure. You, you asked for it, we can do it. 10 right. years of Tractor Supply, please. Now, people started, one of the things that they did during the pandemic was they kind of left the city, nice chart, and went to the country and created their own little farm. It's like Green Acres. Yes. 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 Eddie Albert and Josh exactly. Gabor. Yes. That's what I was thinking. Of course and you were. This, th- these guys at B of A say that's over, okay? They're taking a neutral to a cell, saying that that was something that went on during the pandemic. Now let's just move on. They're coming back to Park Avenue now? What? Yeah, I yeah. guess so. Yeah. But I just, I like this call because there, uh, if people are coming back, then track supply will not do as well. And I'm always trying to figure out what people are doing. Like in San Francisco, we have uh, differing opinions about the vacancy rate mm-hmm. in offices. Mm-hmm. A piece last night saying it's down the lowest it's ever been. Those people are still farming. But maybe Jamie Dimon's people aren't farming. No, they haven't been for quite some time. They're They've been expected checking. to be in the office every single day. By the way, did you see, speaking of in the office, Gary Gensler was not in front of the fireplace yesterday when he did that interview. in the office. Well, no, I don't know. He wasn't in the office either, but he wasn't in front of the fireplace. Well, I think the fireplace thing sent an interesting message. I think it did for years, for years. Most of my lawyer friends have not come back to the office. A lot of the senior partners of lawyers, they don't don't want to show. They don't want to show up. They feel that everything can be his writing. They just go back and forth and back and forth. Yes. But that's part of what is the conundrum of real estate. Now, David, there's an outfit that bought some interesting real estate. It's called Blackstone. Yes. And they bought 20% of the signature. They did. Uh, Led Venture, they took a stake in the in Signature Bank, 16.8 billion commercial loan portfolio. Those guys portfolio. are pretty serious. They They're, don't joke around. They are very uh, t- typically quite smart. Um, but I thought commercial real estate was supposed to be crashing. Well, it depends where you buy it, doesn't it, right. Jim? And, Ace, and yes, Ace commercial real estate is Every not a pretty picture. And by the way, we need to distinguish when we say commercial because, of course, that encompasses a lot of things. Right. Data centers, pretty darn good. Distribution centers, okay, pretty Prologis, darn good. Which has been up two straight days. Is the Office space part of commercial, not good. Bad. Quite bad. And, and but, you know, that is going to continue. And what we forget sometimes is even with rates coming down, when you have to refinance and you can only get a loan to value that's even smaller than you had, you got to put up more equity. And nobody knows where that equity check is coming from for many of these 
properties as they are forced to refinance right, the debt really on the Moretti. It's the $80 million piece of paper that they're just going to send the keys back. And that doesn't work if you're a bank. It doesn't even work, I think, ultimately, if you're an insurer. Well, no. insurers and, have a lot know, of this. Nobody really wants to own a lot of these things. No. That said, the loan portfolio that we're talking about includes over 2,600 first mortgage loans on retail, market rate apartments, and some office properties, mainly across New York. They were held by Signature. Remember, Signature was one of the big, the three that went during the mini banking crisis. Uh, led by Silicon Valley Bank, then we got Signature, and then, of course, uh, a number of weeks later, we got First Republic. it's very bullish, because they do a great job. Yeah. Now, maybe Signature, I know it was supposed to be high-end, but I just, I, that was in your face when I read that. It's in yeah. your face, like, listen, go tell us that commercial real estate's awful. We're buyers. We're buyers. Remember, they've done a lot of things that I think are gutsy at Blackstone. I, you know, I, Jonathan Gray, I think, is the best. You know, speaking of Jonathan Gray, I did, this has been making the rounds, and it, it's, uh, it's this sort of holiday, uh, in the holiday vein here. Their holiday card, so to speak, a video card at Blackstone. I don't know if you what got you to look about? at this. I didn't get it. No, well, it's everybody's been watching it. Uh, every year, they seem to have upped the ante at, at Blackstone in terms of the production values, involving a lot of people at the firm. But take a listen to uh, talk about John Gray. This is kind of a different side of John. Has anyone here heard of Taylor Swift? Yes. 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 No. Yes. I mean, yes. We've been going about everything wrong. We need to go on tour like Taylor and we will raise a billion dollars. There's no way Steve would let something this ridiculous happen at Blackstone. Go on tour? Like Taylor Swift? But a Blackstone version? I love it. Just this once, I hope people do confuse us with BlackRock. We gave Blackstone their time, but it, they were, it was funny. It's a funny. It is funny. Well done. They uh, they really they really gave it their all there. So our hats off to Blackstone. You get a little time here on CNBC to promote the alternatives era. By the way, it is, and you know it's not just Blackstone. I like to we, we don't don't talk about them nearly as often as we do. For example, the banks, but Blackstone's 155 billion market cap. Apollo has had a great year, up 46 percent. Of course, a very strong leader they have over there. KKR shares up 79%. It's remember, a $73 the billion dollar market changing. value. Remember you talked about the business model changing? Yeah. I mean, um, where they're going and, to and then, you know, Eric Getty came on from Aries the other day. Obviously, private credit being their key area. Stop, the gains in that stock have been extraordinary. Just incredible. Um, so it, it is worth talking about them a bit more. Blackstone, obviously, by far the leader at a trillion dollars no, we're like, in assets. We have to pivot and talk about the, the, these firms much more. There's Fred Smith's note, the founder of FedEx, uh, when he gave this Coors presentation, was about how the money that these firms have it's worse. Yeah, the it's, stock market. it's enormous. And Brookfield's another one where, of course, we've talked, we've talked to uh, Bruce Flat a few times as well. But, uh, yeah, the power of these, again, these companies and their... You know, it's not, they still call them the private equity guys. Private equity is like so far down the list now. I mean, Apollo's essentially a giant insurer with this well, huge annuities business, and they take all the money, and they're, you know, private credit, they're enormous. So, but this is Berkshire um, These are all middle kind of Berkshire Hathaways. 
in some way. Yeah, well, with the insurance component, KKR recently completing uh, as well. Remember announcing that they're going to buy the remainder of an insurer that they took a position in a number of years ago as well. Yeah. So there's Blackstone's Christmas card. Always kind of a nice one. Jim, uh, speaking of uh, private equity, takes me to M&A. Just a quick little update. Not much for you on the process at U.S. Steel. That stock, by the way, has moved up really since uh, Since reporting earlier this week when I talked about a a number of bids being uh, above well in perhaps well into the 40s um, it's now a $39 stock all I can update you on is the board is going to meet again this weekend Wow! does that mean we get an announcement Sunday night the way we've become sort of uh, accustomed to I don't know uh, perhaps but I'm not going to read anything into it at this point other than to know that and tell you that the board is going to meet again to go over what appears to be a number of significant offers Story to acquire the company. So we may have an answer on Monday, but I, I can't say with any certainty that that, that will be the case, Jim. Look, I, I think that Cleveland Cliffs should buy them. I think, there's, I think Cleveland Cliffs has put together an amazing company. I wanted to ask you, David, speaking of M&A, proxy fights. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. What do you think? You know, we did it yesterday on the show. You'd left. I'd, obviously, yes, you right. had told us we'd be two uh, board members, and some had said three. Two was the right number. Jay Rasulo is an interesting guy. He was right? the CFO. He ran the parks. He was in contention for some period of time as a successor. He is also Perlmutter's guy, right? Perlmutter, and I didn't say this yesterday. I should have, but I was in the moment um, trying to remember a lot of things that I didn't. Uh, one of them was that he was the guy that Perlmutter wanted to take over. Right. No, uh, and instead, of course, you got Chapek. And Perlmutter right. and Iger have been on the outs ever yes. since, if but not I, prior I, to that. You know, Nelson, Nelson Peltz has been after a board where people own stock, yes. skin in the game. Yes. I actually think that's a good reasoning because I think that, like, you put Ike, well, you put Nelson representing Ike Perlmutter. Well, it's a voice for the shareholders. Now, I like the new exe- executives, but how much stock do they own? I mean, like, kind of. Uh, well, the, no, the point that they made, and we'll see if we get a white paper from Nelson as we get, you know, obviously the fight itself is still months away, so to speak. But uh, the point they made yesterday in announcing their two nominees, Peltz being the other one, was the, this board doesn't own hardly any stock. So, maybe they so it's not as connected to shareholders and their interests as it should be. Uh, and they even made the point that Iger himself has sold a lot of his stock through the years as well. So that may be one of their contentions. But what I'll be waiting to see, Jim, is really what they suggest beyond what the company has already started to do. I know. Which is obviously not just mitigate losses at streaming, but turn it profitable, cut costs significantly, try to focus on the quality of the motion pictures right. that are coming out Which, now. by the way, this next year is going to have a good slate. Yeah. We talked about the strike and how it hurt them. Uh, I think that... It, Look, I, I've been wrong about the stock. I've been positive on it uh, because I felt that it had a franchise. The franchise, certainly, the value of the franchise has not been brought to the fore. No. And that's disheartening. It's, it's disheartening. We'll see whether 2024 is going to be a somewhat different year for, uh, for Disney. Um, Magnificent Seven having a decent morning. I'm yes. looking at uh, Meta, Alphabet, Amazon, Microsoft, all up more than 1%. Microsoft's you know, is really it, is it, I mean, the they were there. not, obviously, participating as much in this recent rally as we made the point at the top of the show as the smaller caps or the mid caps, the more riskier names. Uh, is this a sign of something here, sort of? 
you know, money returning to these names Look, very quickly? Uh, these stocks have been, you know, Microsoft's been radically oversold. NVIDIA, we saw that excellent Araska note. Uh, there is a lot of spending going on. MasterCard had a survey out this morning, talked about really very aggressive spending. Uh, and I just think that what's happened is, is that if John Williams is the one who speaks for the Fed, then you got to get back in these stocks because these stocks are immune to the Fed. Right, right. Um, and finally, on my new kick of uh, how are things done since their IPO, Microsoft, by the way, is it, it pales in comparison to Home Depot's returns. That's unbelievable. Um, Microsoft's been a really now, good Microsoft stock. went public in 85, I believe it yes. was. Yes. Um, it's up 501,000 uh, percent, less, about half of what Home Depot is since then. I don't know if we have the chart or not for you, but um, uh, I'm looking at the numbers. March 13th, 1986 it was when it went public. Well, well, see, I mean, that's just an amazing um, return still. It's actually, amazing. that's a very different number than what I've got here. That's oh, funny. Well, it's- Kind of reconcile um, that if we can. Three hundred sixty-seven thousand percent. So yeah, only thirty-six hundred and seventy dollars for each yeah. dollar invested. Now, David, I had Chewy on last night. I think it's very interesting. Chewy's trying to diversify. Uh, we know that there's most of their business is the auto pay. Yeah. But they're, they had a really interesting investor day where they're talking about telemedicine, uh, and they're talking about. Uh, healthcare insurance. Now, this is what you, this is how, if you're doing it at home, I'm sitting around in my office and say, oh, oh yeah, so let me get it. The dog picks up the phone and calls, and one of the people in the room said, no, you see, you, rather than take the dog to the vet, you call, you call and you show what the, what the dog has wrong, and then you get a prescription, and it's just terrific. You don't have to carry the dog to the vet. And okay. I, you know, uninformed view by me, if Chewy can get this to work, then this stock is good. There is right. a 21% short position in Chewy. Wow. Betting against uh, Sumit Singh, who's a very smart guy. The stock has been a horrible stock. Yep. But I mention it just because there are a lot of stocks that people hate still. And this was not a firmer upstart. It didn't move. But I think, look, if you think that they can pull it off, the stock's cheap. We got more economic data to get to, Jim, so uh, let's do that. This time it's manufacturing and services PMI. Rick Santelli, what do you got for us? Well, David, these are the December preliminaries, which means in a couple weeks they may be modified. These are S&P Global PMIs. On the manufacturing side, expecting a number over 49. 48.2, that's the weakest since August, and that makes 10 out of 11 below 50, which means contraction. Services, a completely different picture, 51.3. That's the best since July. That's better than the rearview mirror at 50.8. And that means 11 out of 12 are above 50 in expansion territory. And finally, the composite together, 51.0. Better than expectations, better than the 50.7 in the rearview mirror. Best since July and... That means 11 of 12, also above 50 in expansion mode. Interest rates, well, the longer maturities are hovering very close to unchanged. You're slightly higher in the front of the curve. You're down huge on the week. You're down huge on the week. Squawk on the Street will return after a short break. Look at shares of AMC. They keep selling stock over there. Uh, Yesterday, post-close, another previously disclosed, $350 million at the market. Company issued 48 million shares, average price $729. They also 
entered into a series of privately negotiated exchange agreements, issuing 4.8 million shares in exchange for 36 million of their 10 and 12% cash pick toggle second lien subordinated notes. The point is, they keep raising equity. A lot more shares outstanding. We're back after this. Let's get to a quick stop trading. A lot of people feel that ServiceNow, which is linked to AI, uh, it's become the barometer. That's Bill McDermott. He's done an amazing job. The stock is up 12 today. And this is the stock that I think is the test of whether the next leg AI. Because huh. NVIDIA is too controversial right now. ServiceNow is not controversial. Okay. Which is very good. Right? NVIDIA controversial just because it's moved up. Incorporating years. it in their offerings, obviously. Yeah. So I AI. just think that that's the one to watch if you want to know whether AI is going to have another leg. ServiceNow. Have a great weekend, my you friend. Too. You do, buddy. Thank I'll you. See you back here on Monday. Coming up, we're going to have a closer look at Apple's record run. Keep it here. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.